it that you are waiting for? What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for Christmas? As the boys and girls told us, seven sleeps till Christmas, or 168 hours, or 10,080 minutes, or 604,800 seconds, 604,789 seconds. Christmas is just around the corner. Some of us maybe can't wait for Christmas to come. We're running into the living room, see if Santa's been having the family together, enjoying dinner, enjoying the turkey or steak together. Maybe you can't wait for Christmas to be over. Maybe it feels like Christmas started six months ago, and like a general election, you can't wait till it's all finally done. Maybe you can't wait to put up your Christmas tree. My Christmas tree is still not up. <laughs> I have a very understanding wife. Maybe you can't wait for exams to be over. That's why my Christmas tree is not up yet. <laughs> my exams finish on Friday. But what is it that you're waiting for? See, this morning, we're going to look at two people who know what it is like to wait. Who know what it's like to wait and wait and wait and wait. Simeon and Anna, two people who waited a very long time for that first Christmas. Now, we're not told much about Simeon and Anna, except for two things. One, they were both very devout Jews. They were faithful Jews. And second, they were both very old. Now, Luke and his gospel doesn't tell us how old Simeon was, but we can guess from what he says that Luke, that Simeon was old. Anna, we are told, was very old. And the Bible tells us that she was either 84 years old, which is pretty old, or, or it also tells us that she was widowed for 84 years. Now, if she was widowed for 84 years, and she had a seven-year marriage, and she got married about 14, that makes her 105 years old. She is old. It doesn't really matter their exact ages, but what Luke wants to see is that they're devout Jews and that they are both old, and I've been waiting a very long time for that first Christmas. And then one day, they've counted all the sleeps, The time is finally over, and that first Christmas finally arrives. Let's read together what happens when that first Christmas arrives from Luke chapter 2, verse 21. Grab your Bibles again. Go to Luke chapter 2, verse 21. If you missed out the first time of Bibles, by the way, just put your hands up again. I'm sure one of the stewards will come and give you a Bible now. And if you're using one of these Bibles, you'll find it on page 10,028. 1028, Luke chapter 2, and let's go from verse 22. Luke 2, 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem, that's Jesus, to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. 
and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what it says in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul also. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then she was widowed until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to, who, to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. Amen. This is God's word. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Without your help this morning, Lord, these are just words, Father. Would you help by your Holy Spirit uh, to come upon us now, Father, uh, so that we can, so it can show us just what is in this text, so that we can hear your words speaking to us, Father, and help us, Lord, to sit under it and to hear your word today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, earlier, I said that Simeon and Anna were waiting, waiting for that first Christmas, why? Why were they waiting for that first Christmas? Well, Luke tells us in verse 25. Come with me back to verse 25. Man called Simeon, righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The consolation of Israel. What's that? What's the consolation of Israel? When we think of consolation, perhaps if you're a guy, you think of consolation goals at the end of a match. Maybe your mind goes to the consolation try Rasa 92 got against Glasgow Warriors when they beat them on Friday night. For others, consolation means comfort. That's what it means, comfort. See, Simeon was waiting for the comfort of Israel. And we read about that comfort and what Rachel read to us in Isaiah chapter 40, which emphasizes, which speaks of this comfort as a literal and spiritual restoration. 
Comfort, comfort my people, says God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. Comfort. We see this idea throughout Isaiah from chapter 40 to chapter 60. We've been going through a series in Isaiah this past few months and we've seen this comfort, this consolation of Israel already. 51 verse 3. The Lord will surely comfort Zion and he will look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Restoration. Isaiah 52 verse 9. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Israel. Restoration. Isaiah 66 verse 13. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. Restoration. See, this is prophetic language that underlies Luke verse, verse 25 in Luke chapter 2. Simeon is waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's waiting for the comfort, the restoration of Israel. This phrase is also linked with the redemption of Israel. Come with me to verse 38. Anna is speaking, she's got a child, and she's speaking to all who are looking forward to the redemption of Israel. See, this is what both Simeon and Anna are waiting for. They're waiting for the consolation of Israel, they're waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem, the restoration of Israel. And this consolation, this restoration, this redemption is not going to be found in an event as such. But it's going to be found in a person. In the Lord Messiah. Come with me to verse 26. It had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he'd seen the Lord Messiah. The man who's waiting for the consolation of Israel was promised that he would not die until he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. Both Simeon and Anna know this. I said earlier, they're devout Jews. They know their Bible. They know their scriptures. They know the promises of Isaiah. They know that God will one day come to comfort his people, to restore his people. And they know that one day that will bring the Lord's Messiah. That is what they're waiting for. And in fact, the whole of the Bible, the whole of history has been waiting for this Lord's Messiah. It's been waiting for this first Christmas. The video we watched earlier on. That showed us from Genesis, from the creation of the Garden of Eden, right through to Noah and the Ark, to uh, Moses and the Exodus of Israel from Egypt, passing through the Red Sea, onto Jonah and the whale, onto David and Goliath, all leading up to the coming of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem, to the birth of the Lord's Messiah. All of history, all of creation, has been waiting for this first Christmas. And when the Spirit moved Simeon to go to that temple that day, oh, what a moment that must have been for him to walk into that temple, to see Mary and Joseph and the child in their arms. Not only did Simeon get to see the Lord's Messiah, he got to hold 
the Lord's Messiah. He held him in his arms. He cradled the Lord's Messiah, the thing that all of creation has been waiting for, in his arms. Come with me to verse 27. In fact, let's go down to verse 28. Simeon took him in his arms and listened to what he said. He praised God and he said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. The wait is over. At last he's here in my arms. Now after all these years, after these centuries of waiting, God's promises were coming true as Simeon held the Messiah in his arms and as a famous Christmas carol says, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Think of a moment to that thing that you're waiting for, to that moment you're waiting for. Imagine how you feel when that moment finally arrives. When Christmas is here, or when Boxing Day is here. When the Christmas tree finally gets put up. Now imagine what Simeon must have felt at this moment as he cradled the Lord's Messiah. Listen to what he says next. In verse, come with me to verse 30 now. See, this old man has said, Sovereign Lord, you may dismiss your servant in peace. Why? Well, it tells us, for, verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have promised in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. I have seen it. I have seen your salvation. I have seen the light for the Gentiles. You may dismiss me now in peace, Lord, says Simeon. Mary and Joseph marveled at these words. <laughs> Little wonder. Imagine if some old man came up to you later today, looked at your child and said, that's the Lord's salvation. Light for the Gentiles, the glory of Israel. You'd marvel, wouldn't you? But I think just as Mary and Joseph marveled, we should also marvel at Simeon's words. Listen to what he's saying. Who Jesus is. The Lord's salvation. Jesus is the one who's going to bring comfort to God's people. Jesus is the one who's going to bring restoration to God's people. Jesus is the one who is going to bring redemption to God's people. He is a light for revelation to Gentiles. This is wonderful news, especially for us. How many of us are Israelites? Anybody from Israel? This news, this salvation is not just for Israel. It's for the Gentiles as well. Gentiles means everyone else who is outside of the nation of Israel, okay? Everyone else apart from Israel is who the Gentiles are. Jesus is a light for the revelation for the Gentiles, for us, for you and me. This salvation is on offer to us. He's the glory of the Lord's people, Israel. See, out of Israel was born the Savior of the world. Simeon saying, look, here is this child. Here is the salvation of the world. Here is the light for the nations. Here is the glory of the Israel in my arms. Anna says the same thing in verse 38. She was speaking about the child to those who have been waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, we're not told exactly what Anna says, 
but we could take an educated guess. It's along the same lines as what Simeon says. Look, she says, here is the redemption of Jerusalem. Here is the one you've been looking for. Here is the one who's going to restore God's people. Do you see this? Do we see what Simeon and Anna sees? Do we see who Jesus really is? Because if we do, then brothers and sisters, there is wonderful news in this. Everyone, there's wonderful news in this. We can stop looking for salvation. We can stop trying to find salvation in anything else but Jesus Christ. Because if we see who Jesus is, the salvation of the Lord, that he is already here, he has arrived, then we need look no further. You do not need to look for salvation in your bank account. You do not need to look for salvation in your job. You do not need to look for salvation in your marriage. You do not need to look for salvation in your exam results. You do not need to look for salvation in your children's exam results. You do not need to look for salvation in your appearance and how much you can lift in social media. You do not need to look for salvation in your sports team. You do not need to look for salvation in other people. You do not need to look for salvation in sex. You don't need to look for salvation in the bottom of a bottle. You do not need to look for salvation in your own self-worth and being a better person. You do not need to look for salvation in having that perfect Christmas because he has already arrived. He is here. He is down in our Bibles right now. Jesus Christ, the Lord's salvation. You do not need to look anywhere else. What liberating freedom there is in the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can you see him? Can you see the Lord's salvation? Because if you do, then we need to respond to him. Because listen to Simeon's words that he says to Mary after he says all this. Come with me to verse 34. Simeon blesses them, says to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause a falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Simeon is saying here, this child, Jesus, is going to be divisive. This child is going to cause the falling of many in Israel. This child is going to cause the rising of those in Israel. See, this idea that Jesus is some good moral teacher who is just all about love, who just wants everyone to come together and be one big happy family. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. That's not the Jesus of Christianity. Jesus says later in Luke chapter 12, do you think I come to bring peace on the earth? No, I tell you but division. 
From now on, there'll be five in one family divided against each other. Three against two and two against three. Jesus is going to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. Jesus is going to be a foolish stumbling block to some and the savior to others. See, what Simeon is saying here to Mary and Joseph, what Luke is saying to us today, is that there's no such thing as neutrality towards Jesus. You cannot be neutral to Jesus. You just can't. Either accept them or you reject them. And if you think you're indifferent, your indifference is a rejection of Jesus. You cannot and will not ever be neutral towards him. You're either going to run to him or you're going to fall over him. Alistair Begg says this, the humble who fall at his feet in confession of faith will be the ones that are raised up to eternal life. Men fall solely on account of their own faith and men rise solely on the account of God's grace. Jesus is going to be a sign that's going to be spoken against. Throughout his life, Jesus was spoken against throughout his ministry on earth. Today, Jesus is spoken against. J.C. Ryle says, men who have agreed on nothing have all agreed on hating Christ. From the very first, thousands have been persecutors and unbelievers. We see that's true today, don't we? Jesus Christ is a swear word. Why is that? Ever wondered why it's Christ and not Buddha or Muhammad? Ever wonder when we stub our toe, we don't go, oh, Krishna? Jesus Christ is a swear word. Our Savior, our Lord, the Lord's Messiah, is a swear word. Why is that? Because Satan's at work. Satan is at work, pulling many away from him. Jesus will also cause the thoughts of many hearts to be revealed. Now for many of us, there's a personal challenge in Simeon's, in fact for all of us, there's a personal challenge in Simeon's words to Mary. See, this salvation is open to the Gentiles, it's open to all, it's available to all. But this offer has to be considered by each. This offer searches our hearts. See, the cross is scandalous to some. It's foolishness to some, but it is wisdom to others. Do you sense, do we sense, that we need to humbly come to God, or do we not? See, our response to Jesus, whether we accept him or reject him, is a test of our hearts. The answer comes from our hearts. See, the gospel brings light to the real character of a person. It reveals our thoughts. It reveals our hearts. It shows us who we really are, sinners. That's not a nice thing to hear. We don't like to hear ourselves as being sinners. We think of ourselves as good people, do we not? But Jesus says something different. 
we are sinners. And we need to humbly come to him to receive the salvation that is open for all. And finally, Jesus, um, Simeon says to Mary, it's going to be a sword that will pierce your own soul too. See, Mary probably did not quite understand what Simeon was saying in that moment, but she was going to fully understand about over 30 years later. You see, for us to understand our first Christmas, we need to understand the first Easter. You see, everything that Simeon has said about this little child at that first Christmas was to come true on that first Easter. When this little babe opened the way of salvation for Jews and Gentiles. When he opened the way of salvation for everyone. And he did so by dying on a cross. Now, if seeing her baby be nailed to the cross and being hung up to die did not pierce her soul, then the words that Jesus spoke to her from the cross surely did. From the cross, Jesus looked to Mary and said, My mother, take this disciple next to you as your son. And to that disciple, he said, Take my mother as your mother. I don't have kids. I can't imagine how what it must be like for Mary to hear these words, to see her son upon that cross, to feel that arrow pierce her soul. You see, on that first Easter is where Jesus achieved our salvation. And ever since then, he has been the subject of a split in humanity between those who accept him and those who reject him. Jesus has come to gather a people to himself. But it's the people of God that he has come for. How do we become a part of the people of God? You need to accept that you're a sinner. That you have sinned against God. You need to humbly come to Jesus in repentance and ask forgiveness and accept him as your savior. And the Lord's salvation will be your salvation. Do you see who Jesus is? Do you see him as the Lord's Messiah on that first Christmas? Do you see him dying on the cross for your sins on that first Easter? If you do, then how should we respond? If you have seen Jesus as salvation, if you have seen Jesus dying for your sins on that first Easter, if you have accepted him in humble repentance as your Savior and Lord, how should we respond, brothers and sisters? Well, come with me to verse 28. What does Simeon do? takes him in his arms and he praises God. Verse 38, what does Anna do? Sees Jesus and praises God, gives thanks to God. Our response should be the response of Simeon and Anna, praising and giving thanks except for one difference. They praised and gave thanks to God for what he was going to do. We praise and give thanks to God for what he has done. See, not only did Jesus die, not only was Jesus raised back to life on that first Easter, but then he then ascended into heaven where he is now and he sits at the right hand of God, his Father. You see, we no longer have to look down to see Jesus, we look up to see Jesus in glory. Why is he seated? Because it is finished. 
the words he cried out on that cross as he died, it is finished. Jesus has accomplished our salvation. It is finished. He has dealt with our sin. He has conquered death. It is finished. We praise and give thanks to God because it is finished. Our salvation is secure for those of us who have come to humble repentance to Christ. Our sins have been once and for all dealt with on that cross. Oh, the bliss, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin not in part but the whole is nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. It is finished. And this means that for those of us who come to humble repentance in Jesus, we need no longer wait for Jesus to come the first time. But now we wait, we eagerly wait for Christ to come again. Hebrews 9.28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Now, brothers and sisters, we wait once more. Now we eagerly wait for Christ to come again and to bring us home, to be there with him face to face, basking in his glory, praising and giving thanks for all eternity. Even then, that will not be enough time. And as we wait, we are called to point people to salvation that could be theirs. We are witnesses of these things, of the fulfillment of the prophecies of Simeon, of what Anna said about Jesus. We are witnesses of the salvation that can only be found in Jesus. So as we wait for that first Christmas, sorry, as we wait for Christmas in a week's time, as we count down the sleeps, let me ask you again, what are you waiting for? What is it that you are waiting for? Are you waiting for salvation? We do not have to wait any longer. Christ has arrived. He is here. Come to him now in humble repentance and you will receive the salvation that you can find nowhere else. Or are you waiting for Christ to come again and to bring you home? Well, rejoice, my brother and my sister. Praise God this Christmas and make him known to those who are waiting for that first Christmas.